Our sermon passage this morning comes from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. Hear the word of the Lord. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. You may be seated. Pray with me. Father, we give you thanks for your word, your word that goes before us, your word that you tell us does not return void. I pray that you would use your word, the power of your spirit to move in us this morning, to encourage our hearts, to strengthen us, to give us a hope bigger than we thought imaginable as we consider the truths of the resurrection. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. When my wife, uh, Jen, and I were first married, we spent uh, a couple months um, doing a schooling abroad in, in Europe, and one of the places we stopped for about a month was this, a place called Labrie. And uh, Labrie um, was started in Switzerland by a man by the name of Francis Schaefer, and uh, he started this community as a place for people to come and ask questions of faith. So someone was really struggling with faith, they were struggling with uh, questions of, of eternity, they would come to this place, and it was a free to ask any question. No question was off the table. And it was to this place that we came for a month. And I remember one of the meals that we had, and, and during mealtime, there's a one conversation rule. So you could ask whatever question. So whoever asked the first question, that was a conversation. And so sometimes you had to grab someone's hand and put it down and say, no, no, don't let that guy have a chance again. Uh, but this one time, this guy got his hand up again, and he said, he was talking about heaven. And he said, you know, when I think about heaven, it doesn't sound that great to me. Isn't it just kind of you're dressed in white, singing songs, floating around all day and all night? I just feel like that would get old after a time. And he said, this doesn't sound good. And uh, because this is ultimately what he thought Christianity held out and offered as their ultimate hope was that one day you're going to go beyond the grave and you're going to live forever wearing white, singing praises, floating around in heaven as like a, a spirit. And because this is what he thought was the ultimate hope that Christianity held out, uh, he didn't last, did it? Right? It, it, he fell away and he, and he left the faith because the future hope that was held out to him actually wasn't hopeful enough. It wasn't good enough. And so when trials of life came for him, when they come for all of us, the future hope couldn't see him through to the end. His hope wasn't big enough. It wasn't strong enough. And the question then is, well, is this view of the resurrection a life, is it accurate? Is this actually what Christianity holds out as our greatest hope? And I think as we explore the, the, the realities of the resurrection on this morning, as we consider what it means that Jesus actually did die and actually did rise again physically from the grave by the power of God, what we find is, is that the resurrection of Jesus gives us a deep and lasting hope that can weather even the darkest of storms that you might go through in life. No matter what comes your way, that the hope of the resurrection can help you hold fast. And it's not just this future hope that, that one day we will have beyond the grave, but in the resurrection of Jesus, we have a profound hope for resurrection life now, even today. 
And, and you know, it's important to note, you know, as we consider these words that, that Peter wrote, he wasn't writing to a community that was living this blissful life and they had no problems. He was writing to a people that were much like us, that were exiled. He was writing to people that were deeply persecuted, being killed for their faith. And he says to them, listen, the only thing that will see you through is a hope deeper than your present circumstances. And this is what Peter knew would hold, hold them, help them hold fast. And this is what he holds out to us even today, thousands of years later, the same truth that will continue to help us hold fast in our present age. Just one other qu- quick note uh, before we dive in is that maybe, maybe the resurrection is something that's strange to you. Maybe it's something that you struggle with. Maybe you ask the questions, you know, this sounds nice, but, but did it really happen? People don't come back from the dead. And uh, is it just a nice story that Christians tell themselves so they can, they can ease their pains and sleep at night? And, you know, as we consider what Peter's writing, you know, my prayer is that whether you've believed in the resurrection of Jesus your entire life, or whether you struggle with it and doubt it in this moment, that this will help strengthen and encourage you towards faith in the reality of the resurrection. So this morning, as we meditate on this truth of the resurrection of Jesus, there's just two things I want to talk about. And the first is this. The physical hope of the resurrection. The future physical hope of the resurrection. Let's look back here at verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to living hope, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You know, the first thing we see here is that there's a physical resurrection that happened to, to Jesus. Uh, he once was dead and now he's alive. And, and this is the thing that holds our hope. That he, the, 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 the man was placed in the grave for three days, rose again. He who once was crucified at the hands of a real person in Pontius Pilate, who was placed in a tomb, is, is now alive. This really happened. This is the foundation of our hope. And it's a very physical hope. You know, I'm going to go out on a limb and say no one in this room has probably uh, witnessed a resurrection of a, a three-day dead person, right? Um, it doesn't happen. And so, you know, many people read this word resurrection here, and they think, well, maybe Peter didn't mean a real physical resurrection. Maybe it was just some spiritual thing that happened. Or, or maybe that, you know, in this time, they believe that stuff like that happened, but we know better now, right? Uh, we're smarter we're more advanced, uh, and so we know that the resurrections are just kind of fairy tales. But it's important to note, even in the ancient world, they didn't really believe in resurrections. Not like this. Um, this would have been just as shocking for them as it is for us in our modern era. This, even the word resurrection wasn't a, a, commonly, a word used very commonly. You know, they believed in supernatural things, like ghosts and, and spirits, but physical bodily resurrections, they didn't really believe so much. So this would have been as strange to them as it is for us to consider. And so when the Bible speaks about resurrection and uses that word, it's, it's to be taken as a physical resurrection. Jesus wasn't just a ghost floating around. Uh, he got hungry, it tells us. You know, he was, the beginning of Acts tells us he was with his disciples for 40 more days before he ascended into heaven. And he tells people, right, to touch my hands, you, this is, touch my side. He's, he's a physical person. His resurrection was physical. And this physical resurrection becomes the centerpiece of our hope of a physical future. And this is what the theme that Peter develops here for us here, starting in verse 4. He says, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. 
So first, he speaks of this future inheritance that we're going to have. The hope of the resurrection of Jesus is that it's pointing to this inheritance. And Jesus becomes this down payment for an inheritance. He is the one who keeps this future inheritance for us. So what is this inheritance? I think we, we understand the word generally. You know, you pass on your things from, from you know, one generation to the next. And these things are very physical. In the, in the Bible, it's, it's a very physical thing as well. You know, the Bible speaks a lot about inheritance. One of the, the places that, that I want to point to is in Exodus, where, you know, God delivers his people out of Egypt, and he brings them to the land that was once promised to Abraham. And in Exodus 32, 12, it says this. It says, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and all this land that I have promised I will give to your offspring, and they shall inherit it forever. So inheritance is a, is a physical thing. That's, that's the thing that they're looking forward to is an actual a land, a land you know, that was flowing with milk and honey, which meant it was, it was great for, for crops and, and livestock, good for planting vineyards and olive groves and apples, I'm sure. And uh, you know, uh, so this inheritance was a physical existence. Living in God's earth, that's what they were looking forward to. And, you know, and on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus makes an even bigger connection here for us. He says, the meek shall inherit the earth. Now, the inheritance that we have to look forward to isn't just a small piece of land by the Mediterranean. It's the entire earth. The whole earth will be the inheritance for God's people. Our living hope, our, our future hope is this inheritance that's going to be all of God's creation. In this future inheritance, this world that we know, that we live in right now, will be made new. It says here it will be imperishable, which is to say it'll be eternal. It won't perish like our world does, with the exception of Twinkies, which I guess will live forever, maybe. But everything else in the world besides Twinkies decays. And, you know, flowers, grass dies. These flowers won't be here next Sunday because they won't be pretty anymore, right? Everything in this world perishes. We know that. Our own bodies. I was just talking to someone before the service. Our knees are hurting. We can barely go upstairs anymore, right? Everything in this earth uh, decays as it is. What he's saying, uh, this will be different. Our future hope in this, in this new inherit, inheritance is imperishable, meaning it will not fade. It will not burn out. It will be eternal, not just long-lasting, right? Not just around for a while, but around for forever, and in that eternal state, it will be undefiled and unfading. You know, everything we know in our world has been defiled in some way. It has been tainted by the effects of sin. And the inheritance that's before us is a world that is untainted by sin. Probably in such, such so that you can barely imagine what that might be like. And in it, there will be no evil, no sorrow, right? No more tears, in this new creation that God has before us, God will restore the goodness of all creation. And one pastor in speaking on this topic recognizes, listen, that we all know that this world has potential to be good, right? There's, it has potential to be a great place to live. There's so many blessings in our lives, right? We, we have joy in friendships and fellowship with children. We enjoy the, the nature. We enjoy beauty and flowers and we're drawn to these things and, and these things are, are aspects of our created world made right and yet our world is so frustrating because it's not always good. 
right? It's like got the potential, but it just falls short. We don't always get to enjoy it. Even the, the perfect camping trip is ruined by, by rain or a turned ankle or that annoying sliver that you get the last day. Our relationships that seem solid, lifelong relationships turn fast. We experience sickness, heartbreak, where we know the creation can be good, but it isn't quite there yet. And so what the hope of the physical resurrection Jesus holds out to you is the promised hope of a renewed creation when all will be made right. A future inheritance that you will be able to enjoy forever. This is your eternal promise. This is your hope, not spirits floating in the sky, but physical bodies living here in a creation made new, full of joy, never lacking anything. What a profound hope that is. But those who are looking at, at the text might say, but Craig, you didn't read the end of verse four. It, it says, kept in heaven for you. All this stuff is kept in heaven for you. It sounds like the inheritance is actually this spiritual place. What is Peter talking about here? What does he mean, kept in heaven for you? Well, let me ask you this. What is in heaven right now? Jesus' body is there right now. Right after Jesus raised from the dead, he spent 40 days teaching his disciples about the kingdom of God, and he says he ascended into heaven, where he sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, not a spirit floating around, but he's a physical body there now. Just like he was raised in a physical body, so you will be raised in a physical body. This is why he is called, right, the first fruits of the resurrection. He is the proof. He is the standard. He is being kept in heaven for you. He's holding our inheritance until it comes, time comes for him to come and to finish his work, to make all things new. He is a sign of what he will one day do for all of creation, right? So because Jesus was raised to new life, so all creation will be, which looks forward to the glorious day when all that we do will be done in the presence of our God, right? All our eating, all our playing, our building, our creating, all of it. All of our work that we'll do in eternity, all of this will be done in his presence with no frustration. On this day, your faith will be made sight. All will be made well. Nothing will be fighting against your work. One day, your body will be raised for eternity. And this is what it says here, that Christ himself guards for us, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for our salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Right, Jesus, the new Adam, is guarding for us this truth. And that's why we can trust it, right? The first Adam, who was actually charged to guard the garden, failed. Well, Jesus, here's the great guard who never fails you. He never sleeps on the job. He is the great serpent crusher. And that's what his resurrection does, is it crushes the power of our enemy. And he preserves this inheritance for you, and so we can trust him to do what he said he would do because of the resurrection. So this is our powerful end. This is our future hope. The resurrection of Jesus points to this glorious future and say, just as Jesus rose and conquered the grave and the powers of sin, so all creation will one day rise and be free of corruption for all eternity. I don't know about you, but this sounds very good to me. This sounds fulfilling beyond my wildest imaginations. And when the trials of life come, when they will come, or maybe you're in the midst of them right now, this is a, a future hope that is actually strong enough to hold you. Strong enough to keep you knowing that one day all will be made new, knowing that our present pains and all the pains that you experience are temporary, knowing that our eternity is a resurrection bound eternity. But the question remains what about now? 
Is this just some future hope that we have to just tough it out until we attain? Can we have any joy or fulfillment in the resurrection today? I think this is another aspect that Peter points to is this hope is not just a future one, but it's a present spiritual hope. This is the second aspect here is the present spiritual hope of the resurrection. Let's look back here at verse three for a second. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. That living hope is a present hope for us. God's mercy isn't just for your future, but it actually is the very thing that sustains you and holds you right now. Resurrection is life is yours to obtain right now. This is why every Sunday, in a very real way, is a resurrection Sunday as we celebrate the thing that holds us and keeps us. And I think there's two aspects of this resurrection life that Peter points out here. And the first is that he's caused us to be born again. You know, maybe you've, you've heard that term, you know, you're born again Christian, you know. And the way it can be used makes it sound like it's almost like a denomination of, of people. You know, are you Christian or are you born again Christian? You know, as if there's a difference between the two. Um, but all, all Christians, in a very real sense, have been born again. But what does that mean? Well, I think uh, it's very actually similar to what it means to experience a natural birth. When you were born, you didn't get to choose your family for, for better or worse. You didn't have much say in it at all. Right? It just happens to you. And, uh, and you're born into a family, and that family you're born into sets the trajectory of, of your life in so many ways. In a similar manner, you can't make yourself be born again spiritually in Christ. It says his mercy causes this to happen to you, and it's a gift that's given to you, and it happens to you according to God's mercy. It's, it's part of his nature to pour out his mercy on his children. And when you are born again in Christ, It means you who once were dead in your spirit are now made alive as Jesus is alive. He gives you a new heart, a heart of flesh. You are now a new creation, still living in an old creation world in many regards that is corrupt, but in it you are made new and you're called to be a witness of that new creation, spreading it wherever you find yourself. You are a witness here of the resurrection of Jesus and this gives us profound purpose in our lives. He's given you new work to do, new creation work. He gives you a new family in, in a church which helps guide and direct the life that, that, that you take. Being born again in Christ changes everything about your living today. Much like being born in a natural birth changes your life. And not only does it change your life, but it gives us a new hope that is living. And this is the second aspect of our present hope. It's a, it's a living hope. Your life is now defined by this hope. It's alive, even in hard times, even when you're experiencing the brokenness of the world and the world that's now and not yet acutely, hope is now your spiritual reality. So it reframes every situation you find yourself in. It gives you joy in the midst of sorrow, not just a, I'm just gonna laugh it off and pretend like the sorrow is not there, but in a very real way, it says there is sorrow, but the resurrection of Christ is deeper. Because you are a new creation. You are without corruption. You right now are actually unfading because the spirit of the resurrected Christ actually lives inside of you fully, full stop. 100% of the Holy Spirit of Christ lives inside of you now, reanimating your body, making old things alive. You know, uh, one of the saddest stories 
in all of Scripture. It's probably the, the book of Job. If you don't know anything about Job, but poor Job was tormented. His family dies. He loses everything. And there's this profound moment at the end of, of Job. And he says this in, in a prayer. He says, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth, and after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God. What was the thing that sustained Job through all the pain and hardships, the most imaginable darkness you could ever imagine going through in life? What sustained him? The hope of the resurrection. It brought him joy even in the midst of unimaginable pain. In this living hope, we are given spiritual fortitude to hold fast. You know, if you are here this morning and you do have faith in Christ, if you've been born again into this living hope, which is kept alive by Jesus, then you're called to hold fast in that hope. Hold on to it. Be strengthened by it. What Jesus holds out before you is nothing short of new creation. He holds his resurrection before you as proof that he who began this good work will finish it. And no matter what trials are before you, hold fast to the living hope that God is preparing for you an eternal weight of glory. And the beauty of this truth, that being made new in Jesus, is that even when you struggle to hold fast, even when it's impossible to hold fast, even when you slip and you fall and you will, we all do, Jesus is the one that's guarding you and keeping you. You can never lose what he gives you because he is keeping you and what he keeps and holds and guards, he does not fail in. You can't, out, can't outrun his protection. He has started this work in you and he will finish it, hold fast in him. The risen Christ is the surety of this truth that he has raised us to keep our eyes fixed on our future hope of new creation and to strengthen our hearts today, knowing that whatever we face Resurrection is our end because we have been born into the resurrection of Jesus. Now, if you are here this morning, this is a struggle for you. If you say, man, I, I wish I could say that this is true, but it doesn't seem true. It seems unbelievable. You know, one thing important to note about this truth that we're talking about is you, you can't achieve born again status into Jesus by just being a good person. This hope isn't something that can be earned by your skill or your will. Scripture tells us it's a gift of God. Only those who have been given the gift of faith, who have been humble enough, as we've been talking in the Gospel of Mark, to become like a child, to recognize their neediness and say, I need Jesus and his kingdom. Only those who do that, who become humble, will receive it. So this is a struggle for you. Pray. Ask God to open your eyes. Ask God to birth you by his spirit. And when you do, your eyes will be opened and you will see as if for the first time. Because you will be born again to a hope that is unfading, undefiled, alive. The resurrection is real. Jesus is alive. He who conquered the grave is making all things new. May we hold fast until that day comes. Amen. Pray with me. Merciful, gracious Father in heaven, we give you thanks for these incredible truths where we struggle to believe, hold us fast. Where we struggle to have hope, give us new eyes to see. Strengthen our faith. 
And may we long for that future day when all will be made new and maybe work towards its end. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.